Welcome to this episode of The Allied Show. My name is Chris McCarroll and I'm joined by Cam from Body Fit Training. Uh, Cam is the founder and co-CEO. Hi, Cam. Hey, Chris. How are you going? Good, good. Thanks for joining. We've, um, we've got a, a fair bit of the Body Fit Training story to, to kind of cover. So, I mean, can you talk to us about your early career um, in strength and conditioning? Yeah, sure. I, I yeah was very fortunate to have a um, about a fifteen year career in in strength and conditioning, working with athletes. And prior to that, it was working in sort of rehabilitation settings um, and just really learning learning my craft, but also applying the knowledge that you get from university, etc. And um, uh, after fifteen odd years of doing that with a young family, I decided that I needed to maybe give a little bit more back to them and. Um, stay put in one location, uh, high-performance sports, fairly transient. So, um, yeah, that, that led to some time at home and having the space and the ability to be creative and to um, follow my passion and, and, and entrepreneurial kind of pursuits, and that's what's led to the, uh, the birth of Body Fit Training. Yeah. And so, I mean, how did, how did that start? That was literally driven by, you know, a need to kind of stay put? Yeah, it was. I my wife and has put up, you know, put her career on hold for me with being involved in high performance sport, and it is a demanding job. It's, it's a great job, but you travel a lot. You're away from the family a lot. I had two young boys, and it was just time to give a little bit back, to be honest. Um, but also take stock and, and think about, okay, where is there another chapter, or do I go back into sport after a short sort of break from it? And realise that. In that time, I did a lot of research in the industry as to what was going on in the commercial fitness space, which I hadn't really been involved with for a long time. And it, it seemed that group training was trending. Um, doing research on group training, I thought there was some some real gaps, and those gaps seemed to fit right where my skill set um, lied in terms of the S&C and maybe adding a little bit more rigour and science around some of the programming that was being offered Um uh, so that, that's really how it was born. I thought, this is exciting. I, I can actually see a gap in the market. Um, what I need to do now is to start to, to put some things together and trial it um, and see if people will, you know, will, will pay pay with their feet, so to speak, and actually come to classes and enjoy it. And um, and so that led to opening up four test sites in Melbourne in 2016 and 2017 just to prove the concept, mm. um, make a lot of mistakes, yeah. Um, uh, spent a lot of money and then and then just continued to refine and tweak it. At that stage, it wasn't about franchising, to be honest. It was really just can I can I actually um, make a product that resonates with the public um, that they want to come back and they're giving us good feedback about. And then and then let's if we if we can tick that box, then we'll worry about what the future looks like. And that's how it started. Yeah. So how I mean, what were some of the biggest challenges that you found? Um, I mean, had you had experience in starting essentially a, a a fitness boutique, fitness studio? Like, what what were some of the biggest learnings that you you got from starting? Yeah, I, I did. I had started a twenty four hour gym, so um, which my wife now runs, but very a very different business model. Um, I was fortunate, but through that, you know, you get to meet a lot of suppliers and develop relationships. Um, so this was really different because it's, you know, 24 hour gym model, it's higher volume, you know, it's less barriers to entry because it's 10 or $12 a week. Um, th- this was, 
making sure that, you know, in Paran in our first studio was I think about 120 square metres and very quickly we learned that the, the financial model wasn't going to work because we couldn't get enough people in classes. And then, um, you know, with, with people's work commitments and so on, we couldn't do enough classes a day um, to fill them. So the second site was a bit bigger again. Um, where we started to be able to get 30, 32, 34 people in a class and, and then the third and fourth sites were bigger again and that's where we sort of went, okay, we feel like now we've, we've got the actual training space really right. Um, that then led to obviously changes in equipment and making sure we had the multiples of equipment. So we learned that over a sort of a, an 18-month journey um, and, and it really was trial and error. We knew I knew what I wanted to do. Mm. It was just... There's just so many moving parts. If it was just the programming, that was the easy bit. But the getting the commercial model and the financial model um, was the bit that took a bit of time in terms of just size, how many multiples. We do everything in multiples of three. Um, so we can sort of have, you know, 12, 24, 36, 48 people in a class. Just getting that right and how many bumper plates do you need and how many dumbbells do you need and, is there more multiples in dumbbells at a certain weight range because that's where most people sit in terms of strength? That just takes time. Um, so just paying attention to those things, going and observing a lot, um, you know, starting to write sales training manuals and things for staff because you, you've got to train staff. So it, it was a, it was an exciting journey. It was a lot of learning, um, a lot of actually, you know, uni and through your work life, you accumulate a lot of knowledge and then. If you're not using it, it's still sitting there. You just got to get go back and draw upon that and and pull it back out again. So that was an exciting period, and um, those first two years were really invaluable in terms of just being able to set the brand up and then decide, okay, which way do we want to go forward with this? Is it is it franchising or is it selling? You know, selling individual units and licensing, or is it growing growing the business and we own them all? And that was the decision we we got to in 2017. Yeah, and I think you know having to pay so much attention to detail um, to, you know, how many dumbbells you need, how many, like what equipment do you need, how big the studio needs to be like that. You can only do that from, from trial and error. Um, and it's just having the tenacity to withstand that, you know, like this isn't yeah. working. Yeah, you've, you've, you've got to go through the process. And I was really fortunate. I had some pretty good uh, mentors and advisors who had had, business, you know, successful businesses, franchised and, and other and their, their, their real simple advice was, one, spend your own money because investors are going to want to know, have you invested your money and, and, and put it on the line? And two, get involved in every nook and cranny of the business. You need to, you need to know every part of the business and, and where are the gaps, the weak points, and how are you going to strengthen it? And, and that's what that first year and a half was with those first four sites. It was all about learning and, and as I said, making a, a hell of a lot of mistakes and then, you know, being open to say, okay, we got that wrong, that's okay, but we've, we've just got to work and find a solution and keep refining and getting it right. So, um, it, yeah, as I said, it was a, it's a really, really important part of the journey, but that really set us up for success when we started selling franchises in April of 2018. You know, we are very, very well prepared. Um, I think some people can jump the gun and want to get into franchising really quickly, and then when people are investing their money, there's an expectation, as there should be, that, you have your back end in order and you have your documentation, you know, supply agreements, legals, et cetera. And if you go too quickly, you'll, you'll very, very quickly find out that there's just a lot of gaps in your business. Mm. So going to market in, in April of 2018, we, we had two full years of 
learning, um, refining the financial model, getting our legals in place, our operations manuals, our supply agreements, and it just gave us a really strong foundation and, and a really believable story because we're using, um, you know, existing P&Ls to be able to show potential investors. So, well, here's the four sites. This is what they look like and these are real numbers. Mm. And you can come in and you can actually see these sites operating so you can touch it and feel it. So, it, it really did provide us with a great platform to build from because it was all genuine and authentic. Um, people could touch it and feel it and see it and speak to the managers or the owners of those businesses at the time. And um, when you have an open book and it's you know you, you're wanting to build trust, you need to you need to let people in and ask all the hard questions. And we found that very easy because we'd been operating for four years, so yeah. we had nothing to hide. Um, so it was just an, an open book from our side of things and it gave people a lot of confidence that their investment um, was in good hands. Yeah, and I think, you know, you've you've proven the concept. Um, you've put in the work to be able to then go, you know, this is what it is. This is exactly what it looks like. Um, and, yeah, like you said, open it up. There's really nothing, nothing more that you can do in terms of showing someone a proven concept you know you could you could attend a class and feel the energy and and do all of that stuff um so i mean in terms of um so that all happened in 2018 uh 20, april of 2018 we, we yeah. started franchising so we, yeah. we that was the first time we actually sold a, a body fit training franchise yeah awesome so then moving into 2019 and then starting into 2020 um, obviously momentum was kind of firing um, and then all of a sudden you can't do group training. Um, <laughs> that, that kind of puts a damper on things. Uh, it, it was a really tough time and um, a lot of credit to, to, to Richard, my business partner and, and co-CEO and, and the staff that we had at the time. We, we, we did have a lot of momentum um, in the brand and in actual fact, sort of December of 19, Jam Feb of 2020 were, were probably our almost our best sales months. We just had so much momentum. Our sites were getting great financial results. There's a lot of confidence in the brand. Um, and then COVID hit. And probably two parts of it to us. One, one, I don't think anyone really knew what was going to happen with COVID. So it was really difficult to plan long term. Um, but we had some good fortune in a way because it had already hit. Singapore, and we have some some franchises in Singapore, and it also went to the US before it got to Australia. So we were actually dealing with it in Singapore and America before it got to Australia. So that did give us a bit of a head start and to try and understand it and what what potential restrictions were coming our way, and um, we're able to really quickly pivot our platform to an online platform. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing we we did as a business was like we have to. We can't really plan because we don't know what it looks like. And, and I, we actually sat down and thought, ah, oh, maybe by the end of June, it's all done, yeah. um, which, which was pretty naive. But we, we built an online platform and the key was keep up the engagement with our members. So making give, the, give our franchisees the opportunity in a platform to keep communicating and engaging with their members and then drive 100% of that revenue to the franchisees because we were fortunate that we, we'd had a really good sales um, period the three months three four months leading in so we we did have a little bit of money in the bank thought we would get through and if we could make sure all of our franchisees survived that was the most critical thing that coming out the other side um one 
we, we, didn't, we didn't want to lose anyone. And two, by doing that, hopefully we've created a lot of goodwill in the brand. People are feeling good about it because it's really easy in tough times to start to go, oh, this is too much financial stress or, or just stress in general. And maybe we sell it or we, you know, we stop the business. So it's really important for us to provide support financially, but also in person. So we, we, we over doubled our staff through COVID, which was a bit of a risk again. Um, but we just took the view that as a business, you know, everyone's busy and there's always projects that are always on the back burner because you're just on this, you know, you're, you're on the you're on the flywheel. And we thought, well, we're sort of stopped now and we've got an opportunity to really get ahead on some projects that we wanted to do and we've always been saying we're going to get to. So um, phone was ringing more than off, more than ever with franchisees just wanting to talk. So we, we put more people on to be able to provide more support um, and then also more, more human resources on to get to those projects and actually come out the other side and put the brand in a, in a position where we were absolutely ahead um, of where we thought we would be um, should COVID had not happened. So, yeah, we, we took the approach that let's, a lot of people were saying, don't let COVID define you. We, we actually spoke about it and said, well, actually, let's let it define us. Let's actually take the opportunity and um, let's come out stronger, but also support our franchisees as good as we possibly can um, and touch wood, we, we haven't lost anyone. Um, now that everything's open, our businesses are going really successfully. And um, I mean, our business in the US, um, our Santa Monica franchisee in California has been one of the most locked down places in the world. His, his membership base doubled through COVID. Um, so uh, Jacob over there did a fantastic job, but that was because we acted quickly and were able to get outdoor permits and secure some space to store equipment and those sorts of things. So um yeah, it, it was it was absolutely a really tough time because it, it really did stymie um, sales and our momentum, um, especially in the US where we'd invested a lot of money to get some brand recognition and get a marquee site up and running in Santa Monica. But the flip side is we've, we've still got all our sites open and, and they're running really, really well and they're happy and we actually look forward to getting together in about five weeks' time in uh, in the Gold Coast for our annual conference. It'll be the first time where we've been able to get everyone together for a hell of a long time, which will be exciting. Yeah. I think, I think you know, it's if anything, like you said, you know, don't let COVID define you. I think it's also proven that um, it, it's shown how far you can actually push yourself um, and how comfortable we can get and just you know, just the the day-to-day and working on projects and things like that and all of a sudden add, you know, this huge workload to be able to kind of keep everything moving. Um, you know, it, there's going to be, you know, some form of a burnout from it, but I think flipping it in a way, especially like the way that you have done in terms of letting it define you but in a positive way, um, a few people in my network uh, had the exact same attitude of, okay, you know, sales are down. This is what we're looking at. You know, why don't we get on top of these projects that we've that have kind of just been sitting there for like a year and a half that we've wanted to do um, and use that time to to dive into it because it was, you know, what else were you going to be doing? Like there's just, you know, this is a great time to, to get it done. Um, so, yeah, it's just been fascinating how you can add so much more to your workload um, and then gives you the the opportunity to work on other projects. Um, it was a very interesting time. So in um, in those early moments of like Singapore and the US, what um, 
how did that start to unfold? Yeah, well, first of all, it was um, we, I got a phone call from a Singapore franchisee. Um, we look like we're going to be closing down with COVID, and, and we were like, "What's what is COVID?" Uh, mm. It was that early. We 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 had no idea what it was, and so it was really then just Singapore is different because they don't have a governing body in terms of the industry. So you, it's very different to Australia where we have a governing body and, and there's a lot of communication in terms of the impact of government decisions on our businesses. So it was hard initially to get the information, but it was more being really available for them because it was it was very fluid and it was changing on a weekly basis because it was all new. And and um, in fairness to the government over there, that they were learning on the fly just like we were here. And so it was just changes to our programming. We had, we had to change the programming to, you know, go to social distancing and then we have a, a programming a program called Beast Mode, which is um, sort of a, a hybrid boxing. So we had to get rid of that because it was, even though the boxing side and the gloves is hygienic and safe, it was more the optics of it and members didn't, there was this heightened anxiety around catching this thing called COVID that no one really knew what it was, that it was just mitigating risk and and just working really closely and communicating closely with the franchisees on what's the appetite for the members. So here's here's the government restrictions. So we know we know that bit, and we can we can program and we can put policies in place to cater to that. But then also, how are members feeling? Because even even though we knew what the government mandated and we could change that, members still had an anxiety around certain things or being close to people just because there was so much unknown. And so it was just having really close contact with them and, and very similar to America. And then it was, okay, now we've got um, members wearing masks, doing high-intensity cardiovascular classes. So there's another challenge that we have to talk about and try and overcome and how do we do that. Um, so it was, it was a massive learning curve and um, huge amount of administration. But, again, our, our view was, look, that, that probably from, uh, when was that, early, late Jan, early Feb in terms of Singapore and America, right through to the end of the year was probably the most intense time in terms of administration um, we've ever had in our business because the policies in Singapore were different to America, which was different to Queensland, to, to Melbourne, to New Zealand, to Perth, and we deliver programs and we have the same program running every day in every studio. Mm. And so... All of a sudden, we had 14 different iterations of the same program based on government restrictions, um, cultural differences, and, you know, the Singapore people who are a little bit more sensitive to some of these, whereas you'd find people in Australia like, well, we don't care, but we still have to do the right thing and make yeah. um, sure we were sticking to the guidelines. So that was, a, that was an extremely challenging period um, just because it was labour-intensive and, and just reading so many policies and mandates um, it, it was un, uh, unbelievable. We had whiteboards just full of just here's this state, this country, and it would change sometimes daily, sometimes weekly. Um, so just staying on top of that and, and getting our comms really clear but, but doing it in a calm manner. So there's a lot of hype and sensationalism around COVID. We just had to try and be a, you know, a stable, calm voice for our franchisees to make sure that we weren't adding fuel to that fire. Yeah, for sure. I think it was super interesting. Like I actually happened to be in Singapore like in at the beginning of March um, in 2020 and it was uh, like early then, I guess, for, but there were 
um, you know, walking into a hotel, it was a full body heat scan um, and going into a coffee shop, it was temperature checks. It was all of this type of stuff. Um, and it was, yeah, I was like, I don't know what it's going to look like, like when we get back to Australia, because, you know, you just don't know. And, and nobody, no. nobody knew. So I think it was everyone's in the same boat of, of not having gone through something like this before. Um, and you do, you just got to kind of knuckle in and support um, those people around you and also lean on the people around you in your kind of support system. Um, so, I mean, like now you've gone from uh, like having your studios and it's quite, you know, the scale is, is getting momentum again. Um, like what does the next 12 months look like for you now? Yeah, it's it's really exciting actually. And um, even we've just had a strategy day with all of our staff and and again for two years not being able to get the team together uh, since we've grown so much. So we entered COVID with six full-time staff at head office, including Richard and I, and, and now we've got nearly 30. So it gives you a sense of um, how we've grown whilst we've been shut down, but also the inability to get the team together. Um, so now they feel like getting being able to be together, there's a real um, real connectedness amongst the group now. We feel really focused on what we need to achieve and um, we've had a, a sale of our US business to Exponential Fitness in the United States. Um, so they're going to run with the brand over there just because of our lack of ability in the last two years to be there and mm. um, have boots on the ground and, and support franchisees. So that's actually really exciting because it does a couple of things. They've got a fantastic resources um, and infrastructure to be able to really support BFT in America and Canada, and that allows us to actually not get too distracted with one of the biggest markets in the world. We can really hone in on and consolidate our existing markets, which is Singapore and um, New Zealand and Australia. Um, we've got, we're about to sign our first franchisee in England. We've got some other leads through Europe. So having the American market being taken care of with an unbelievable company and exponential fitness allows us to be a little bit more focused on um, our regions and where we need to provide support and infrastructure. So New South Wales is a, is a huge opportunity for us this year. It's a big focus area for us. Um, we've got some great studios doing good numbers, but again, just because of COVID, we with the shutdowns, we haven't been able to get there. There's been a lack of, um, I guess, commitment because of the uncertainty with COVID and restrictions where people are really keen, but we've just got to see what's happening in terms of, you know, the market um, and jobs and job security, et cetera, with potential investors until they actually invest in the brand. So, We've got a lot of leads, but we, we really need to focus on New South Wales um, as well as consolidate our existing markets. So Singapore, we've got, um, we feel like we're going to sell out of Singapore before the end of the year and potentially New Zealand. We're getting amazing numbers over there and they've still got some restrictions in place, but um, great participation, real excitement around the brand. And, and yeah, we're working into new markets. So the UK, um, some regions of Europe and um, some other great opportunities in places like Vietnam where fitness and group fitness is really trending at the moment. So that's really exciting. It's it's good to be able to get on a plane again and, and actually go and see people face-to-face. It's a bit of a weird um, experience after two years of not doing it, but they're the things that we're really looking forward to and the opportunities with us going forward into 22 and 23. Yeah, I think, like, um, it's really exciting to be able to watch something that is, you know, um, science-led in terms of in the fitness industry of being strength and conditioning led uh, 
group fitness, um, you know, and that, you know, is definitely, you know, your biggest point of difference in what you're doing. So I think, you know, it's going to be a, a very interesting and hopefully massive couple of years for you guys as you consolidate the hard work you put in before COVID um, and, um, and see it all kind of roll out now um, in the way that you probably imagined a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, one, one of the great things with with COVID was we're allowed we, it allowed us to focus on some technology and, and we are sort of largely tech driven and we've just built out our own heart rate system just to complete the four wall experience of BFT. So it's a system that's designed to give members and also the trainers in the studios um, direct feedback relevant to just BFT programs. So. There's lots of great heart rate monitors and, and out there in the marketplace, but ultimately they're all, they tend to be off the shelf and they all do a great job, but they're not specific to our brand. We've now developed uh, a really good system and it's given us the time to be able to test that system thoroughly before we go to market. We're launching it officially in April of this year. Um, it's in about 20 sites at the moment as test sites for us, but it's specific to every single program and it's rewarding people differently based on whether you're doing a strength day or whether you're doing a, uh, an aerobic cardiovascular day or an anaerobic cardiovascular day, um, it's, it's just weighting your heart rate responses to the objectives of the program. So people are getting far greater insights. It's quite easy. It's quite simple. We like to keep the science simple because it can get complicated. Um, but, again, that's one of the great things that's come out of COVID and we really look forward to launching that to the network. Uh, in April, it's super exciting. The feedback that we've had from members so far is overwhelmingly positive and again if we can continue to drive technology to improve the member experience and layer that with absolutely the, just the face-to-face -face, you know we, we don't want to lose the face-to-face -face and the coaching element um, we feel like we're in a really strong position going forward and, and and looking forward to 22 and 23 as I said. Yeah well look uh, all the best for the next couple of years I think we'll try and and touch base a couple of times and see how everything's tracking especially yeah, with the at the technology side of things and and how you do have that process of you know looking at BFT at, like intrinsically um, without having all these different products kind of coming in and something specific to your your programs and your training. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to kind of see what that looks like in the next couple of months after you launch that. So look, thanks thanks so much for for spending some time with us and um, looking forward to seeing what happens uh, in the next two years. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate the opportunity to have a chat. Thanks, mate.